Thank you for coming Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. And I'm so excited to be here. In 2015, I founded the Queer Improv Show, Thank You for Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it. And it is now one of the longest running queer improv shows in New York City. During the show, our storytellers share their coming out stories, and then our improvisers bring them to life. Our podcast is a little different. We still have a storyteller share their stories, but instead of folks improvising, we talk about them. And this episode is different because we are still recording during the COVID-19 pandemic while physically distancing, which means we are not in our studio together and we are using Zoom audio instead of our professional audio, but we are all doing the best we can with what we have. And I am so excited about our guest with me here today. Joel Perez, he, him, is an award-winning actor and writer living in NYC. His theater work includes Fun Home, Kiss My Aztec, and Sweet Charity. TV work includes Jesus Christ Superstar Live, person of interest in Odd Mom Out. He performed with the UCB mod sketch team Peach and for the musical theater sketch show Shiz. His writing includes the Black Beans Project, Playing With Myself, and the Church of the Holy Glory. He is a 2021 Warner 150 Artist Grant recipient for his original comedy pilot, You're Tired, You're Poor. He is the winner of the 2021 Voces Latinx National Playwriting Competition for his play From the Fountain, he is a 2019 NYSCA slash NYFA Artist Fellow in Playwriting from NYFA. Follow him at Mr. Joel Perez and I will tag you. Joel, welcome. Hello. What's up, Dubs? <laughs> not, not a lot. <laughs> slash a lot. What's up with you? How, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's, it's Monday, November 1st. It's a new month. Yeah. Yesterday was Halloween and... I dressed up and went out. So it was great. That's nice. What did you dress up as? So I dressed up as the singer of the weekend. Mm. Um, and then I had vampire teeth. So I was the vampire weekend. That's good. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I love a pun wherever I can get one. And that like wordplay pun. So good. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. <laughs> um, I feel like the last time I saw you in person was probably when you did Thank You for Coming Out's Pride show in like 2016 or 2017 or something it's been a while it's been a while and that was such a fun show thanks like it was like such a like a great group of people a great cast and like I'm so happy that you're still um making stuff and that Tifco is still around yeah well thanks and I'm gonna start maybe do you still improvise Mm mm-hmm well, I'm gonna uh, off. Hey, off this. I'm gonna, yeah, I have. We have one coming up. I'd love for you to play. Oh yeah, cool. Um, okay, so we all have multiple coming out stories, multiple coming into ourselves stories, and I'd love to hear one of yours. Totally. I mean, I, uh, my coming out was a, a pretty fraught. Um, my my father is a Pentecostal minister. Um, so I grew up in a like super religious, like conservative household. So <laughs> I guess my, I wasn't really, I didn't like choose to come out. I was sort of forced out when my parents found gay porn on our family computer, mm. um, which I think is not when I've, I've talked to a lot of other uh, 
like queer friends and a lot of them are like yeah that kind of happened to me too mm. like uh the second we all had access to the internet we were all just like please stuff that that i respond to things that i like yeah. um and so that was like uh, that unfortunately like that then led to me uh my parents put me in this like uh or they reached out to our um council the the they're part of the Assemblies of God, which is this like national, uh, international Pentecostal um, organization that they have a crisis hotline. So then they called the crisis hotline and they uh, uh, suggested a um, Christian psychologist mm. that I saw for about a year um, starting my senior year of college. Um, so I wish I, I wish I could say that it was a like, I came out and everything was wonderful. It was very much uh, like I I was found out and then had held onto a lot of like guilt and shame about that and was actually like asking for help. I was like, please change me. I want to change. I need to be different. Um, so that led to like a couple of years of just like freshman year of college, like figuring, figuring myself out. Um, uh, and it wasn't until junior year of college when I like for real had a, a sort of a an epiphany experience I like uh, started at I went to Tufts University for college and um, started as a chemistry major and was pre-med and I was like supposed to go through the supposed to be a doctor and I eventually I was always a singer so I started uh, doing uh, musical theater at school and um, decided my junior year to study abroad at the British American Drama Academy, like a, a theater conservatory. And uh, my roommate, who's now my best friend, uh, Cheo, uh, is gay. And I remember being like, oh, you're, I, 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 I feel like I, I see myself in you, but I wasn't out yet at the time. And and then one day we all went out to a group of us from school went out to like this gay club in in London. And I remember like being there and being in an environment where there were other people who were like who were gay. And uh, this guy came up to me and wanted to dance with me, but I still wasn't out yet. And I still had this like but I remember in my soul having this like, oh, I want to dance with you so bad but I can, I'm like, this is wrong. I'm not supposed to do this. Um, but, I, but I remember the sort of, I didn't still have this like memory of this guy in my mind that he was just like so sweet and so nice. And like, so it was my first time feeling like desired by someone or, or, or that that was like reciprocated too, you know? Um, so I remember that was a real like formative moment that was like, I think I'm gay and I just need to like embrace that. <laughs> Um, so that, that sort of then led me on to like another, I also like theater school. I feel like the theater conservatory is all about like breaking yourself down and getting down to the truth and being who you are. And I think if you're not, if you're not honest with yourself, that comes across in your work. If there's something false about your identity, it's your, your, um, your work is going to suffer because you're not being your authentic self. And so, um, yeah, my, I guess my coming out was like, pretty circuitous uh, <laughs> uh, but then like junior year of college I was like I'm gay so let me just live my life <laughs> um 
thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I'm sorry that, that the, the first part of your story wasn't more, you know, rainbows and butterflies, but that's, you know, yeah, yeah. unfortunately it's the reality for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about, there's still, we, I think we as a society have a long way to go, but I'm so grateful that there is, um, uh, at least the fact that I can now as a gay man who's married to a, another man and we can live our lives in New York and have this, you know, live our authentic selves. I love that that's an option for us now and that we can, we can, there's also like the internet, which I was, I'm sort of like the, the last generation of people who like, I remember life before the internet and like, now there's just so much access to information and communities that um, I'm, I'm hopeful that most people will not, uh, will have different sort of coming out experiences. Yeah, I really hope that also. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I have some questions. I have some questions, <laughs> which yeah. I, I, I we hope that I would do. Um, so <laughs> when you're, when you told your parents the first time and they sent you to this psychologist that was in high school. This was senior year of high school. Okay. Um, so was it at that point? So I'm just trying to like wrap my mind around this. So you were, you had been watching gay porn and then you went to this psychologist and Mm -hmm. then you kind of, it sounds like it, maybe you tucked it away for a while. And then in junior year of college is when, okay. Yeah, I like, you know, I had like girlfriends and I had dated women in college and um and I and I think it's now as in retrospect I think of like uh, I guess I would have a more like nuanced understanding of what sexuality is. Mm-hmm. Back in this was back in 2006, 2007, it was like you're gay or you're straight and that's it. You know, there's no and then what does that mean? Like, how do you, how do you fit into those communities? There wasn't a lot of, at least in my, my little bubble in Massachusetts where I grew up and sort of the access to the information I had in the world is, I think like nowadays I'd probably have a more like fluid understanding of what sexuality means and not necessarily, um, cause I had like lovely experiences. I mean, I enjoyed uh, the experiences I had with women and it was good um, and fun and we had a good time uh but i think like back then i was so focused on like defi- defining myself um and i think that we crave that as humans we like need to put people in boxes um so i think uh uh i spent a while just trying to figure out who i was and that that um work with this therapist was on the one hand it was like uh I'd never had a therapist before I'd never I didn't know that that was a thing I never I didn't know that you could have like an objective perspective on your life Mm. you'd be like maybe this is because of this like huh (laughs) while also on the same hand it was like let's change your sexuality so like "Mm, maybe this isn't uh the right thing and also it doesn't work. <laughs> I was exactly. like, I was like, cause I was, I was down. I was like, I, if there's a world where this can change, I'm like, I'm ready to do it because I was, I felt like that's, um, that was my only mode for like acceptance from my, my family. And so 
I really wanted to, I was like, I'm, I'm all in, let's make this work. And I was like, this doesn't work guys. We got to change this. Um, and so it really wasn't until like junior year of college that, um, I, uh, just like decided to be happy. I, I had this, this is gonna, this is my, this is gonna sound like super cheesy, but it was a, I had a very like, um, at the end of that, at the end of that program I did in London, this like theater program, a friend and I uh, from the program went to Morocco because we got these like super cheap tickets from London to Morocco. And so I went to Morocco and one of the days that we went, we, we flew into Marrakesh and spent most of our time in Marrakesh. And um, then somehow like finagled our way into like doing this like trek into the desert. It's gonna sound so corny. I can't wait. <laughs> we like, you know, we went to this like trek into the desert, and we like got on camels and like overnight, like went into the went into the desert, and then like ended up in this like Bedouin um, tribe encampment. And then the way that this uh, tour was set up is, we like would wake up in the morning uh, before sunrise to watch the sunrise over the desert, over the Sahara. And um, when we got up, it was just me, um, my friend David, who was part of the program, and this guide who brought us out there. So it's just the three of us that were like out in this like edge of the Sahara. And so David and the guide were like off on a side, like he was, David's like a photographer and was taking pictures. So I was just like sitting by myself on this dune. And I was like, the, 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 the vista there is just like sand as far as the eye can see, just vast and open and, and so quiet. And I, I remember like scooping up some sand in my hand and seeing the tiny grains and then seeing this like vastness of the desert. And it made me feel really small, but not in a bad way, not in a way that made me feel like I'm, I'm insignificant or I'm mean, I'm meaningless more that these things that, uh, in the grand scheme of humanity, I'm just a little and we're just a little sliver and a little boop in the, <laughs> in the grand timeline of life. So why am I spending any of that tiny precious time being unhappy, not being myself, not being, not fulfilling my full potential. All this stuff that I'm thinking is like such a big deal really isn't that big of a deal. And the people that love you and care for you are still going to be there once you are like living your authentic truth and like being yourself. And so I came back from that experience very much like, I need to change. I need to, I'm sad. I'm, I'm tired being so sad all the time. I'm just not, I don't want to do this anymore. And if, and if people can accept that, then that's going to be, uh, I'm not responsible for their happiness anymore. I've got to be, I have to take care of myself. And so that was like, that was for real the, a moment when I like then came back, I like came back home and was like, I need to make some changes and be myself. You know, why am I, nobody cares. People don't care that much. Nobody cares. And then I came out and then nobody cared. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my God, it's so huge. Like it's cause it seems like such a big deal. Yeah. When you're in it and you're like, God, what are people going to think? How are, how are people going to respond? How are people going to, you know? And I, and at the end of the day, I was like, I just have to, you know, uh, take care of myself and, and be responsible for my own happiness and 
make some choices that might be a little uncomfortable for a bit, but the people who love you and care for you are going to still be there if they really do, if they're really there for you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love, I love just like the imagery you, you told that so beautifully of just like connecting with nature, with yourself. It's like, that's gorgeous. I love that. Yeah. And it was so like, I'm, <laughs> and then, then I think because I was like so steeped in the, in religion and in church, like there's so many passages in the Bible of like incredible um, change and trials that happen in the desert. Hmm. Cause it is this place that is like wild and vast and quiet. And like, um, so I remember coming home being like, did I just, did I just have like a Jesus moment? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, maybe. I like maybe. <laughs> so, so when you came back, did you have another conversation like direct with your parents and how did that go the second yeah, time around? So, so then the second time around, um, I like moved, I got, got back home. It says junior year of college. I like started sort of dating this boy that was like in my, that we went to school together. Um, that then uh, that year I came out, I have two older brothers. I came out to them uh, first, like it was a Thanksgiving and I was like drive, we were like at my aunt's house and then our drive back to my, to our house. I like told my brothers that I was gay and they were like, are you happy? They're like, yeah. They're like, that's all we care about. Like Hmm. do it. Like they were, I love them. They're like the best. We have a really, really awesome relationship. And they were always very much like, we don't care. Like as long as you're here and you're, and you're happy and you're feel fulfilled, like like do it you know yeah Uh, and I didn't actually didn't come out to my parents until I moved to New York City so then like a couple years later so there was a couple of years where we just like my parents and I just really never talked about my sexuality ever which is so funny like I think back on those times I was like mom dad you guys just like what was that about like you just completely ignored this part of of your child's life or I'm just really curious about like the denial that can exist with parents who perhaps have children who are a little different like why are you you were like always so free and open to talk about my brothers and their girlfriends but then you would never like so what's going on with you you know it was always just like never gonna we're not gonna talk about it out of sight out of mind Hmm. so when I moved to New York City I um wrote my parents a letter because I couldn't, I just like, I'm too, I'm, I'm afraid to have this conversation with them in person. So like, I wrote them a letter and like left it on my bed. And then I moved to New York and I was like, regardless of what happens, I'm gonna, I'm sort of starting this new life in a new place. And if there's a world where y'all are like, you don't, we don't, we can't accept you. We don't love you. We don't, we don't want you to be a part of our family anymore. Then at least I'll be like, I'm an adult now and I can, I'm starting my own life somewhere else. And it was tough. It was tough for a long time. It was, it, it took a long time for them to come around and also took a long time for me to um, have some uh, empathy and understanding of their own experience. Cause you know, when you come out, it's not just you coming out. It's also your parents have their own sort of coming out process, their own sort of uh, depending on who your parents are, their own sort of grieving process of like, 
this is who I, this is what I thought was going to be my child. And now there's something different. And so it's for some people, it takes some time to come around to accepting and, and um, making peace with that. And so, and, and also it's like now it also took time for me to, to also make a, um, to make peace with the fact that your parents are flawed, you know, parents are, they're not perfect either. So, you know, there's, there's, uh, if you're looking for that kind of, um, validation and you're looking for that kind of, um, uh, acknowledgement of your like personhood in some situations, you might not get that from your parents. And so you need to find other people that, that celebrate you for who you are. Um, and then eventually they, I mean, hopefully they eventually come around and, and now my parents are great. They're like, they're really lovely. And we disagree on a lot because they are still very Pentecostal and still very religious, but, um, they came to my gay wedding and were there and supported us and love my husband and ask about him. And we, we hang out all the time. So I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised that they sort of came around in a way that they have because as I said it's like it's it's kind of a coming out for them too it's a it's at least in my father's case sometimes I think it's like it's also asking a lot to be like hey you know this thing you've dedicated your life to can you just like not (laughs) (laughs) right can you just maybe not though can you be like not (laughs) anymore for me (laughs) maybe give them some time you know that's you know it's 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 a lot to ask them to yeah yeah it's um so many so many things that you said resonate with me just like for I like the first time I came out to anybody I also wrote it down because I couldn't say it out loud it was too hard and also I think too with with my parents and like you said with a lot of parents um there is this you know they have a certain idea in their minds of what they want their kids to do who they are, who they're going to be. And then it is a lot of reworking, rewiring of um, what that is. And, you know, I, I went through that when I came out as gay and then again, as gender queer trans person. And there's a, there was a lot of um, reimagining and rethinking of, you know, like, Oh, I can't even use the word daughter anymore or sister anymore. Or, um, but I was like, and, you know, they had to re rethink all of those things. And I'm like, wouldn't you rather though, do that work and have a happier child, a more authentic child, a, someone who's alive, right? The suicide rates are really high for LGBTQ kids and, and adults also, you know, and especially trans kids, because so many people don't have the support of their family or their friends or their community. And it's really isolating. Yeah. And I think in a lot of those situations, at least it was definitely the case with my parents. They don't know any gay people. Mm-hmm. They don't know any trans or gender queer people. They don't, they, that's like the, the only, the only examples of that, that they might have are like in TV and movies that they might see stuff like that. So it is a bit of a, a learning curve for them too. And I sometimes find myself like being like a, a New Yorker, like a gay New Yorker in the theater and like arts community, like, this is all stuff I'm talking about all the time with my friends. And it's like on our mind all the time, but 
when I go home to visit my family in the suburbs of Massachusetts, it's like, oh, y'all aren't even talking about this. Yeah, this is yeah. like, this is not even like, oh, right. This, I, in the same way that I, uh, that uh, uh, sometimes communities can be like siloed. And so it's a conversation that is very rich within our community here in New York and in the arts community. But then you like go outside of it and then people are like, what are you talking about? Like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, right. This conversation hasn't, hasn't made it this far. And it's important to then create stuff and art that then hopefully pushes a conversation in places that aren't normally used to talking about these things. Yeah, I, I really believe that. And I, I think that too, all the time, like I talk about LGBTQ identity all day, every day and forget that I, <laughs> I also kind of live in a silo. Um, I remember like my brother, <laughs> my brother and sister-in-law were, uh, this is my, actually, they were giving birth to my now niece. And um, when they were, they like invited me to like a gender reveal party that they were having at, at, at home. And um, when the, when did the gender reveal, it was like, we're having a little girl. Yay. And my brother was like, oh man, I was hoping it was a boy because I was wanted to do like a Batman room, Batman themed baby room. I was like, you can still do a Batman room for a girl. It's like, who cares? And my sister-in-law was just like, what? No, we were doing like a pink purple princess room. And then I was about to, the, I was then about to like go into this, like, well, actually gender is blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then, but then I was like, you know, you probably just like dreamed of having a little, a little daughter princess and you always wanted to like decorate her room. Like we could, let's have this conversation, but I'm also not going to like shit on your dreams. Like if this is <laughs> like, I mean, like, this is a, a, a I was like, it it requires a kind of grace that I think happens on both, on both sides of conversations that I think sometimes that gets lost in like nuance about certain things. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, and, and it was then like, wow, this is not like the fact that the, the, the fact that like your daughter could have a Batman themed like baby's room or whatever was so like foreign to be like, absolutely not mm-hmm. you're you will be doing this thing that's very gendered and um but it just kind of reminded me like wow uh, uh living in new york does sometimes not give me a proper perspective of how the rest of the world looks <laughs> or yeah. thinks about certain things you know yeah i have so much to say about that <laughs> <laughs> um uh, you know my my siblings each have kids and um it's conversations that i've had with them and uh with you know people i train and the work that i do mm-hmm. and it really really does require a lot of grace a lot of patience a lot of nuance everyone has to be on board to be having this conversation because it really really does push up against the way that we've all been raised and the way that we've all been taught to think about gender and kids and, you know, what little quote unquote little girls would want without leaving any space for the um, uh, um, possibility that that kid might not be a little girl, even though we're making that assumption because of their body. And um, 
it's a really challenging conversation. And so I can understand being like, you know what, let's wait for another day. Um, <laughs> or maybe not at the middle of this gender. In the middle of the party. party. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> I'll be um, like, let me, I love it. We can talk about this later. <laughs> right, exactly. I, uh, you know, I've had a lot of, lot of conversations with my, with my sister and my mom about this stuff. And, um, you know, I try to separate too, like what feels personal to me because I am trans. And so the things that like how I was raised really went against who I am as a person versus like someone who is cisgender, who maybe that would fit them or a girl who also would like, not like princesses in pink. Right. So it's like, you know, me trying to kind of separate what's person, what feels, what feels present because it's very personal versus like what's there to try to create space for kids to be themselves. Yeah. And that's, it's for me, that's still a challenge of trying to, to find that balance. Yeah. And many times with that, and it's only happening now because my siblings are like having children that now it's becoming apparent. I'm like, huh, like decorating a kid's room. The kid doesn't care. Right. <laughs> They're not, they don't like, it must be purple, pink princess stuff. They're just, that's like not even, it's more about the parents. It's really about how they, the kinds of like conversations they want to have when they're out in the world. Like, do they want to, does it really bother them if someone misgenders their child or like, does it, oh, well, we need to put bows, the, the, we have to put a bow on her head so that they know that she's a girl. And they're like, who cares if they, what, what's the point? Like, why do you? Why does that make you so uncomfortable? I mean, it's, I, it's so interesting to me because even like my, one of my nieces, they like pierced her ears, like right when she was born, mm. just so that she has little, like little studs. And I'm like, that's really cute. But like, part of it was, be, was so that people would know that she's a girl as mm. a baby, you know, that yeah. is more like when you're at the supermarket, you want to make sure that they like gender your child correctly. And, and I'm like, what does it matter if they don't? Like, why does that, what is, why does that, why do you, why does that seem to reflect on you as a parent? You know? I do know. (laughs) I I do know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, we don't want to challenge what we've grown up with, you know, like we don't, you know, we feel a lot of, I don't know, I'm putting myself in this, not we, a lot of people feel like very strong about gender roles and gender identity in a binary way. And like really, um, and it's not, a lot of times it is unconscious. It's like, they're not, it's not doing it on purpose per se. It's like, this is just how I was raised. And so I have a little girl and I want to make sure everyone knows that she's a girl and here are the stereotypical ways I'm going to prove it. Um, And to, I think it also kicks up for people stuff in themselves too of like, you know, if they want to present or feel sometimes outside of their, their prescribed box, that's really hard too. Yeah. And so to try to control it with their offspring, I think is also sometimes what people do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you had mentioned something about, um, you know, like using art as a way to connect with people and, you know, bringing it to cities um, where, you know, they're not in New York City and getting, you know, theater and people all the time. So um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back to Fun Home, and then we can. Yeah, you know, I know it went on tour, but um, sure. so we we met when you were in Fun Home, and yeah, also yeah. Lauren Patton sends her love. I meant to tell you uh, pre-recording, but this is fine yeah. on here too. <laughs> uh, me too. Um, so, and then I also I also realized. So I normally sometimes will ask guests to share a Ring of Keys moment, mm-hmm. and I I realized that I gave you I just copy and paste it to you and realize that I defined it for you, but you were in fun home. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's stupid. <laughs> um, but for those of you listening, a uh, ring of keys moment is essentially it's, it's from fun home. Alison Bechtel um, uh, wrote it in her graphic novel. And then in the, in the musical, it's like this moment where small Al kind of like a, a butch lesbian comes into a, a diner and small Allison like sees herself for the first time. And it's like a moment of recognition, a moment of representation and visibility. Um, and so I'm wondering if you, you kind of already alluded to it earlier. And I wonder if that's, if you had to share a ring of keys moment, if you would talk about your friend Cheo. Oh, sure. Um, or if yeah. you had a different one to share. No, I mean, it, what was interesting about Cheo was that like, I, I guess like when you grow up in uh, I guess I grew up in a time where there wasn't a lot of gay stuff on TV. <laughs> so yeah. unless you were like Jack McFarland and Will and Grace, then you must not be gay, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that sort of gave uh, uh, um, uh, makes people go through like slight identity crises where you're like, the world is telling me that to be a gay man, you must be this, because this is the only way that I'm seeing that this is what a gay person is. Right. And I remember like meeting Cheo and we were just, he was just like, like we, we just had so much in common and he was just like fun and dumb and great and talented. And like, I was like, Oh, you're like, you're kind of like someone I'd be friends with at school. That is, but you're gay. And I didn't know that that was an option. <laughs> I didn't know or or also like uh I I'm also of a generation where the the AIDS crisis was something that was very present on our parents minds and so I I know that that was a real fear um for people like my parents that their children if they if their boys turn I'd say that they are gay men there is the real threat of death mm-hmm. from the virus this like disease that will kill them and so you like grow up with a lot of and knowing that the perceptions of of that are that were that existed in popular media about gay men were diseased men drug addicts um uh uh if you're not if you don't if you don't present yourself that way then you must not be gay you know mm-hmm. or i'm like uh uh so befriending cheo and like now we're like best friends was like, oh, there are people who are who can just you can just be yourself, and your sexuality isn't necessarily a defining factor, or that your sexuality doesn't that doesn't necessarily come with a list of behavior and attributes that, like, as a gay man, you must be this. If you are a lesbian, you are this. You know, here are the here's the like the the gay handbook, and these <laughs> are the things you need to do. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that that was just like seeing a befriending someone who was like, who had who had already gone through their coming out journey, uh, 
a couple years earlier than that and was sort of uh, uh, had a bit of a head start, you know, and was just like, hey, and I think he could also tell. He was just like, I can tell that there's some, I, I, I there's, there, there, there's something different about you. Let me um, shepherd you along the way, you know? Um, yeah. But in terms of like, when I saw something, I was like, oh, I think I'm gay, was definitely like, <laughs> Back in my day, uh, (laughs) we didn't have like uh, streaming services. So like premium cable would sometimes do like free preview weekends. And my family did not have like HBO or Showtime and stuff. And um, Showtime was doing a free preview weekend and Queer as Folk was on Mm. TV. And I remember it was like, geez, it must have been like two in the morning or something. And I was like in the basement watching TV and like Queer as Folk came on. And I was just like, what is this? I don't know what this is, but I'm feeling stuff and I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I like this and I'm like, and I, but I've been, I'm like terrified because I've been told that this is terrible and I felt so like illicit and dirty, you know? Um, yeah, and so I remember like cr- <laughs> really getting excited when those free preview weekends would happen, and being like, uh, "I'm watching something downstairs." Uh, Don't come down. Come <laughs> down. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I'm doing homework. Um. <laughs> Just knock before you come in. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh man. I didn't watch Queer as Folk until way later, but I loved watching that too. I did you ever watch the show um, Undressed on MTV? Oh yeah, I like oh, Undressed was another one. Yeah, and I remember um, watching that, and then having like I don't even know what would be on another channel, and just like the the last button on my remote, <laughs> so I could quickly like change the channel back to something else if my parents knocked <laughs> on my door. Um, yeah. Just craving oh, that. Craving these kids it. these days, they don't know. They don't know the, the power of the last button. They don't. And they don't know. They also don't know uh, what dial up internet, like the feel with that. It's like, hurry up and download. What the fuck? Hurry up. I have to print this picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, on the like perforated uh, printer paper. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you said I didn't know that was an option when it came to like how like about Cheo like just being like a cool guy with like these like you know we all have in our mind like certain ways to be and like didn't even know that it's not I think that's so common for so many people and also don't this also I want to be sensitive to the fact that I also I'm not like I'm not disparaging people who are who are more effeminate or feel Mm. like to express themselves in a more uh uh externally um because I because I actually have a lot of um, respect for and frankly, like uh, uh, I'm slightly envious of that sort of uh, freedom because that opens you to uh, like danger in a way that that sometimes I'm like, am I, am I just like too afraid? Am I sometimes thinking am I too afraid to live as openly as I want to be because I fear that someone might say something or someone might say something mean or, um, cause there was a kid that was in my high school who was very openly gay. And 
I remember how he was just ridiculed by other kids and just mm. like his 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 day-to-day life at school was just like made a living hell yeah and I remember being like I don't want that to be my life so I'm gonna I was kind of like an under the radar sort of kid in high school I was just like I'm gonna do all my homework I'm like honors and AP classes I'm just gonna be like I'm not gonna ruffle any feathers I'm just gonna kind of do my thing because I was like, it, it's um, the, the the sort of um, culture around bullying was just, and and adults were just like, well, that's part of school. You get bullied. Boys you know? will be boys. Boys will be boys. And like, there wasn't that sort of sensitivity around like allowing uh, young people to be themselves and us cultivating an environment where like people can express and press themselves and be who they are. Like, it was very much like either you fit in or we're going to make your life a living hell, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, uh, uh, in seeing this uh, classmate who was so, uh, so like uh, uh, ridiculed and uh, made his like day-to-day life was made so, so much harder because he was, he had made the choice to live very open Um that made me definitely, that definitely like pulled me further in the closet. Cause I was just like, Oh, if this is how, if this is what it means to be, to be honest, I don't even want to, I can't do that. Not here. Um, and, and then, but then I also, I'm like, I wish I lived in a time where you could just be, cause then I would have been a little, a little more gay or like a little more feminine or having a, and now as an adult, I, I have a more like nuanced understanding about like gender and, expression and that I can and as an artist and as an actor I always love to sort of explore all the different parts of my like humanity and I wish that I lived in a in a time where that was more um encouraged and like championed instead of like stifled because there was a time where it was just like you must be this and if you don't fit this then you're wrong or you're bad you know yeah yeah oh that's so real I'm just thinking back uh to like the very few trans rep like trans media like representations in the media were all so terrible and scary and oh and like salacious it's like a ricky lake tonight we're going he you used to be a woman and everyone's like ew boo gross and that's and as a kid you're watching that like oh gosh this is like this is you don't want to be that. If this right. Is what, this is how people are reacting to you, you know? It's exactly. And I'm thinking too about the movie Boys Don't Cry. Mm. Uh, terrible, scary, awful. I just rewatched it recently and I was like, this is so fucking scary and terrible. And I remember watching it for the first time in high school and just crying through it. And my friends were like, what is going on? I was like, how do you know? How are you not so upset by this? Like, and I mean, of course, hindsight now, we we all understand the difference, but, you know, it was that ex- exact thing for me, too. It's like, if that's what if that's what it means to be this, I don't want to be that. Even if it is me, I don't want to be that because I don't want that to be my life. Yeah. And then and similar to what you were saying earlier, it's like at a certain point, you decided to be happy 
and you made the choices to be happy and you had access to the things you needed to be happy. And I, I did the same thing for myself. And I just think about all of the people who don't have access or can't or are still scared because frankly, this year is the most dangerous year uh, and scariest year for trans people in modern history with all of the, an- the hundreds of anti-trans bills and violence and so, you know media still putting out fucking transphobic shit and um it's hard it is really hard and i it's um so i i also um i want to say too i wasn't reading you as like disparaging anybody it's like it's what we, it's what we are you know taught to think certain people are supposed to be like and then when someone is existing outside of that narrative it's really hard and um and i think i think it's like there's also there are people who are like Jack McFarland and they should mm-hmm. be able to be as, as queenie as they want to be. And we should, we as a gay community shouldn't then be like, well, actually like we need to be more, then you're just being like more, more straight, I guess. <laughs> but like, what's the point? Like the whole point of being gay is that you can, or being queer is that you can, there, there, there shouldn't be these sort of like prescribed norms. That's the whole point. So yeah if you're like saying that someone who is more feminine is somehow disparaging of the community or something, or then like, I think that says more about you that you just can't, you're afraid of like accessing those parts of yourself. Yeah, exactly. And I think that um, there's so much gatekeeping within the queer community of like, you're not this enough or you're not doing this right or, you know, whatever it might be. And it's like, come on, like you're saying, that's the point. Like being queer, at least to me, is like a badge of honor. It's like, I love being queer in all the different ways. And kind of, I, I love being a visible gender queer trans person because I like to be the option, quote unquote, for other people. It's like, oh, I didn't know I could do that. Yeah, I didn't know that that, that was an option. And it's yeah. like, yeah, well, really, whatever you want to be or who you want to be, that's an option. You could be that. It also makes me like super happy to live in a place like New York or, or that, um, uh, had I stayed in my hometown and, and, and sort of followed the like prescribed path for me, I would be a very different person than Mm -hmm. I am today. And I think like, um, you know, for, all the young queers out there listening, like find your people, like find a tribe, like, and it's scary to, to, to make a move or to get yourself in like a different context. But sometimes that's what you need is to just like be in a place that celebrates you, like be in a place where there are, there is representation and there is more uh, of a community that and it's like every time I leave New York, I then like come back. I'm always like, ah, oh, God, I I missed it. Like this is what a what an incredible place to be queer. <laughs> That's just like doesn't exist in other parts of the world. Yeah, it's Truly. so nice. Yeah, and um and you mentioned this earlier too of how the internet is such a it can be such a shit show, scary, terrible place. And on the flip side, um, if you're someone who isn't in New York City and in a smaller mm-hmm. town, you know, across the country finding community online is now a thing and it's so good. It's so makes, it makes building community possible. Totally. Yeah. And you get to like 
see all the many, the myriad of options that exist of how you can be, you know? Yeah. It's not, it's not as like, you know, gay kept by network television. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you can watch someone's like cool vlog that they put on YouTube and they're like, oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Or like if you're a trans person who's who are thinking of that, you can see someone's, you can chronicle someone's journey and see and watch it in real time and be like, is this something I want to do? Is this something I don't want to do? Or, or do I want to do it the same way or a different way? Or, um, it's just so, it's, it's so awesome that there's this like, uh, democratization of, of information that allows that the internet gives people now. Yeah. I remember watching some people's journeys, like people who had been on tea and like they chronicled their voice changing and their bodies Mm -hmm. changing. Um, And I actually remember the first few times that I watched that it really, it even, it was like positive. It was like, they were, you know, choosing to do this. And I still was so scared of it. And I was like, I even, I I had been following a bunch of people like trans people on social media and ended up like unfollowing everybody and stopped looking at it because it was, I knew in my gut, I knew deep down that that was my truth also, but mm-hmm. I wasn't ready to face it. And I, I couldn't be in the same space as someone living their truth so loudly and so authentically because it was like taunting me. It's like, I can't, I can never do this. And it was really, it's, it's such a, it is so hard. It's such a, it's such a journey. And then it honestly is bringing me back to thinking about kiddos where if we're, you know, if we're letting them tell us who they are at a younger age instead of forcing them in these gender boxes, it could avoid so much of the pain and angst that so many of us feel as adults. Yeah. yeah. And there's a, I, there's also kind of a fucked up thing that like that older folks are like, well, I suffered. So you should too. You know, <laughs> right. like, well, we all got fucked up. So like, and we're fine. You should get fucked up too. You're like, no, learn from that. We can change it. There's just, yeah. just because you hurt doesn't mean we have to, keep hurting other people you know yeah and also are you fine because i don't know about that (laughs) (laughs) your therapist would say differently yeah if you're even in therapy (laughs) (laughs) um so i was uh doing a little dive on you on the internet and Mm -hmm. this just actually really stuck out to me in in a bunch of different shows that you were in the feedback that critics gave was how versatile you are. Mm-hmm. And like for the, the two that, that stuck out to me were Sweet Charity and Fun Home. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if, first of all, love that you're verse. And, <laughs> and yeah, why, why pick a side? <laughs> right? Um, there's joy in all. Um, yeah. <laughs> what is that? What does it mean to you to like, be in a role and be able to pivot and kind of find different, um, different characters within one show. Like, what does that, what does that mean to you? Yeah. I think it's like, first of all, it's cheaper for the production (laughs) because they don't have to cast five guys. They can just cast one person. Mm. Um, but for me, it's, I've always loved like sort of character work and, accents and and like different you know like wearing a costume that changes your physicality and like sort of um doing that at the drop of a hat is super fun and um I love just like 
exploring all the different parts of myself and parts of like uh, humanity and all the intersections that exist within me. So there's like, um, it's fun. Sometimes you get to do it all in one show. <laughs> uh, but I also really love just playing one character in a show because mm. that's just like a lot more satisfying or you just like get to go on a singular journey. Um, but I'm also like very it, getting getting the opportunity to do more um, uh, multiple characters in one piece is also super fun. And um, I have I have slightly like ADD creative energy where like I love that the next thing I do would be completely different from the last one that it's like I'm going to do Shakespeare and I'm going to do a musical and then I'm going to do a TV show and then I'm going to do a cartoon, you know, like because uh, uh, that's like the best part of being an actor that you can just like do a little bit of everything. I, I, I don't necessarily want to just um, play one type of person or one type of character or um yeah, it also gets it also lets you get hired more if you can do a bunch of different things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just that practically better ways to get jobs. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm thinking I'm just thinking about Fun Home and how important that show is and um just I think I maybe saw it four times on Broadway, which is ridiculous that's so many it's too many i mean not too many but there's i won the, I won the lottery a lot <laughs> there are people who saw it like 30 times oh like, okay well that ah. makes me feel a lot better <laughs> um but it's just you know it's so incredible to see queerness on stage and like you know it was only what like six years ago yeah. it was like 2015 when i think i saw it and maybe even 2016 I don't know but it's just like even then wasn't wasn't that the first show to have an openly out character or it was definitely the first time there was a lesbian protagonist yes that's the words Uh, those are the uh, words yeah and she wasn't like because there have been lesbians specifically lesbians on in musicals before but they were usually like just like a joke like Mm. like not not the focus yeah definitely the first time that of of for there to be a, a lesbian protagonist and also also like a mask a butch mask presenting lesbian as well that that wasn't it wasn't like a musical theater lesbian you know <laughs> right 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 <laughs> <laughs> it was like um it also wasn't supposed to be a broadway show you know it was just a a, a show that was developed over time off broadway and and each iteration of it was just like, let's just tell the best story. Let's just tell the best story. Let's figure out a way to tell the best story. And it was like kind of a confluence of world events Then seemed like there was an audience for it and a, a, a time for it to have a life on Broadway. Um, and it was beautiful. I And I try not to be, it's tough because I try not to be like too cynical about the whole thing but you know broadway is also a business that is people put stuff on broadway to make money and so um while um representation was was incredible and like what an what a beautiful way for um you know tourists to come and see to see shows that would come to see fun home because it won the tony not because they actually thought 
that they wanted to specifically come and see Fun Home. And then they're like, wow, I was not expecting to see a show like that. And hopefully right. their minds were changed a little bit or they, they went out into the world with a, a deeper understanding of, of queer people. Um, but then we closed after a year and a half because <laughs> the ticket stopped selling. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So it's like, it's not like that then ushered an era of queer representation on Broadway where like show after show was giving jobs to queer people and queer stories are being championed. It's like, no, it, it actually was just like, okay, we did it. The, 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 the sort of um, the powers that be can pat themselves on the back and be like, we did it. We, we, we championed queers on Broadway. And then well, let's not, I guess we got to, Got like 10 years before we have to do that again. So. Right. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Who's yeah. next? You know? Yeah, that's true. I forget that Broadway's a business. Um, it is. I was just talking, and I forget to whom. They were like, yeah, you Broadway shows pay to play at the Tonys. And I was it's like, it's, an, it's a commercial. And I was like, wait, that makes so much sense. And also oh man capitalism sucks <laughs> yeah I'm, i mean that's the that's that's like the the greatest the greatest evil of the american theater i feel is capitalism and that's what stifles a lot of creativity and um but unfortunately we live in a capitalist society and until that changes that's you know theater has to exist within that framework and we can continue to try to find ways to make sure all our communities are better represented. And, and for me too, it's like not just about representation as a concept. It's also about like um, representation as a means to employment that Mm -hmm. is gainful employment that leads to lives that have dignity. Yeah. It's like, uh, because if you wanted to, if you want to do a show and it's about your community, you can go do it wherever you want. You can go, hey, I wrote a play. I'm doing it over in my, over in the park down the street. We're doing uh, four shows this weekend. Come check it out. There, it's a, it's a, it's a Latinx queer story on stage. Will I get paid any money to do it? Probably not. And- I lose money. I'd probably lose money doing it. Um, so that, and that's like a whole other conversation that's about like, how do we sort of allocate funds so that people can have like, a di- for me, it's just about a dignity. So being an artist who can pay their bills and buy food and take care of their, you know, their families and their children and not feel like they, they're like sacrificing a part of themselves in order to make that happen. Yeah. And we can, let's get into this. Uh, there are things where I'm like, I'm like I also sometimes take, um, uh, uh, I always pr- bristle a bit sometimes when Broadway is centered as the marker of your community existing or your community mattering or that your com- I, we are only seen, we only exist if we are on Broadway. And I'm like, that's just not it. Like there, there are other places and other, other ways that you can support these communities and uplift them. And Broadway isn't the end all be all for like theater performers. I think it is because we grew up believing it is. We grew up 
being like, Broadway is, ah, Broadway. Oh my God, I'm going to get to Broadway. And maybe it's because I've been there and it means nothing. Uh, <laughs> that like, yeah, it's just one job out of many other, many other ways, many other iterations of your artistry. And so like, um, and I don't want that to then be like too cynical, but I'm also just like, it's also, that's unfortunately it's a business, you know, and um, all they care about is profit. All they care about is, can we sell tickets? Like it's not a, it's not a, a, a charity. Right. Or like, or like producers don't go into producers and investors are only going to invest in a show if they think, if they think if they can make a profit, like bottom line, because that's what it is. It's a, it's McDonald's, it's Walmart. It's, it is like the, the uh, most mass version of theater, you know? Yeah. Woof. <laughs> I, woof. uh, woof. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I think that too, I've, I've had some Broadway peeps on here and they also are like, Broadway is not the only way to, you know, get our stories out there. And um, I think that it's like, when, even though that's like, this is, and it's like the reality we live in is like, people think of Broadway as like the end all be all. And like we watch the Tonys and then we don't see ourselves represented. It's like this, like catch 22 of like, Um, but hopefully like what you were saying, it's like the representation will then lead to more jobs like sustainability and um, just making theater more equitable. And like, I think what people don't realize is that when theater is more equitable, when there's more rep, more authentic representation, they're going to sell more tickets because people are going to want to be in spaces where they're seeing their story or they're yeah. seeing other people's stories represented authentically um, mm-hmm. and not these like whitewashed over and over and over and over and over. You know, you know, there are some people who love that shit. Okay. Yeah. But like, I would say most of us are craving, like we were talking about earlier, craving like seeing ourselves. Totally. Um. Okay, I hate to do this, but I've just looked at the time and we are, we got to move into our lightning round, but this has been so great. Um, so these are mostly actually open-ended because mm-hmm. I was told my questions before were too binary. All right, fine. Okay. okay. <laughs> and then there's one binary question that I couldn't get rid of, but just answer as quick as you can, but it's all just for fun. Okay. Okay. So if you could name your own crayon, what would you name it? Ooh, um, um, uh, uh, forest moss green love it favorite time of day oh uh sunset favorite current queer media representation who veneno on hbo max if you haven't watched veneno i i i i worship at the altar of veneno everyone please watch it if you haven't seen it it's incredible amazing a song that makes your heart soar oh um 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 song that makes my heart soar Emotions by Mariah Carey. Mm, good one. Favorite way to travel? Ooh, car, like a road trip. Mm, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Favorite quote? Quote. Um, favorite quote? Favorite quote? Favorite quote? I don't know. This is giving me stressed out. 
You uh-huh. can pass if you want. No stress. Let me see if one comes to me. I'll pass right now. Okay. And then, well, this last one, bagels or donuts? Bagels. Perfect. Sure. That's the right answer. <laughs> bagels with like a, like a, like a, like a scallion cream cheese with like a lock situation. Like, mm. Mm. Amazing. Mm. <laughs> now I want a bagel. Um, Joel, this was so nice chatting with you. How can people find your work? How can people follow you? Totally. Um, I am um, on Instagram at M-I- Mr. Joel Perez, M-I-S-T-E-R-J-O-E-L-P-E-R-E-Z. Also got a website, joelperez.com. Um, yeah. And um, Twitter's the same and, and Instagram are the same. I don't have Facebook because I got rid of that because... I don't need that anymore. Now it's the metaverse. Oh, I can't. Ugh. <laughs> I ugh it. I'm still on it, but anyway, whatever. <laughs> uh, Joel, this was so lovely. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming out. Hey, everyone. It's your host, Dubs Weinblatt. Thank you so much for listening with an open heart and an open mind. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please do so so you don't miss an episode. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps. And we want to hear from you. We want to know your coming out story. Head on over to Thank You For Coming Out's Instagram page, at Thank You For Coming Out, and click the link in our bio. There's a form there where you can submit your coming out story, either anonymously or with your name. And you could have the chance to hear your story read out on the Thank You For Coming Out podcast. We're so happy that you're part of our community, and we want you to know that your story matters. Thank you for coming out.